Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, Hockey World. It's Friday the 13th of May, 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Jillian Fisher. I'm Ty Anderson, and I forgot to wear the right shirt today. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm assuming you have a Friday the 13th shirt, Ty? I do. There's a band from Scranton called the Menzingers, and they have a shirt that has Jason Voorhees holding a box of chocolates and a bouquet of roses. And I should have worn that shirt today. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm Eklund, and you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday at this time to talk about the comings and goings in the hockey world, so you don't have to pay attention at all to what's happening. You can just live your life, raise your kids, and enjoy things, and we'll fill you in on hockey. Um, and that way you can just go about yourself. And if you know, so last night, again, another disappointing Game 7. Uh, we talked about, you know, I really thought this would not, I did not, I did not think this would go this way. This was, this was, you know, I've been right about everything that's happened this year, but um, this is the first time that I haven't been right dead on. I really felt like this would be a game. Um, Jillian, you were there. Yeah, uh, I mean that was a that had to be a party and a half to be at first of all. Oh yeah, I mean I will say this about Dallas because I was there for Dallas as well, and I still had a great time in Dallas. Mm -hmm. They are great people. Southern hospitality is a real thing. In case anybody was questioning it, um, so I still had a lot of fun there. But it was a little bit. It got to be almost like a funny atmosphere when it was about five to nothing. Uh, yeah. People just kind of started laughing about it, and they were just like, "We're here, might as well have fun." But last night was different. It was fun to be on the other side of like the winning, the the home team being the winning team. Um, yeah. At, once they opened, you could feel those. You could feel it coming. You could feel that first goal coming. They were yeah. putting pressure on, and once they they scored that first goal, it it exploded. Like the the energy just erupted in there, and it didn't stop. They just kept laying on it, and it's not. I'm sure it wasn't that fun to watch on TV, honestly, because it didn't look very competitive. But being there was a hell of a time. It had a vibe that you could tell it was fun. I mean, it 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 wasn't competitive, obviously, but that was just because the Sharks just decided to just throw it into way into overdrive, and they they really played a hell of a game. And it was it was one of those feelings. I've been at Game Sevens where the, I've been at both situations where you know where the home team wins, the home team loses, and it is a, such a it is better. I will say this: it's better to lose the way Dallas lost than to yes. like, than to lose the way like I went to. I was in Washington, Philly. I was in Washington for Washington Philly Game Seven when Joffrey Lupo scored in overtime. That is worse. That's oh, a, I, yeah, that's worse. You, you leave that building and if you've just lost in overtime of Game 7, that, that's like... You give up hope. You give up hope. And I will say, Dallas, those fans, I only saw one of those bracelets thrown on the ice throughout the entire time. So they kept it classy. And, yes, people started leaving. But, I mean, your team is getting crushed. You know you're going to lose. But the fans that stayed, they stood on their feet. They cheered. They enjoyed themselves. I thought that was good, and that was a lot of fun. But also in San Jose too, it was another time a lot of fun there. They do a really great job. They're they have like they call it like the tank patrol um, yeah. the, with the people walking around. They need that tank patrol in Toronto, but that's okay. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> it was just it was a lot of fun to be there. I was glad I got to see both sides of it. Um, but but yeah. 
What was that? I was to say it was weird because the way Nashville went into Anaheim in Game Seven in the in the first round, they took control. They jumped all over the Ducks. They took the crowd at the pond out, out of you know out of it completely. And Game Seven last night, Jillian was the exact opposite. Like you said, once San Jose opened the scoring, the the emotion got rolling. Then Joel Ward scores that goal, completely burning Roman Roman Yossi, and. Russ, the thing that I noticed about that game last night was the two worst defensemen on the ice for the for the for the Preds were Shea Weber and Roman Yossi. Yeah, so I, to me, it, to me, it had to be exhaustion. And and honestly, it's easy to say Pekka Rene was frustrated when he throws the stick and and tries to break it across the across the the post. But if you look after the goal that Ward scored, uh, Tierney, the San Jose forward, is in the crease, and he goes in while all the guys are celebrating and cross-checks him in the crease. Rene was, I, I think, was emotionally spent and sort of lost it in that game. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think that's fair. Shea Weber was, did a snow angel on one play. It was horrible. He does that I, a lot. Have you noticed that Shea Weber in this postseason particularly was down a lot? Yeah. He was down really awkwardly. He's not He's not yes. a, as good a defenseman when he leaves his feet. No, he needs to just be crushing guys yeah. and shooting the puck hard. That's not his strength. You're right. The other thing is, though, for all the debate that we always hear about Roman Yossi should be a Norris guy, you know, when you're a Norris guy, you don't fade like that in a big yeah. game. He did. He completely well, faded. Like, he played so he much, did. though. He didn't have a good game, Mac. I'm sorry. No, he, he didn't have a good game. There's no question. And there were times that one of the things about Yossi that is really – interesting is because he does play so much with Weber that definitely helps him in so many ways like he, he he's able to take there are lots of chances that Yossi takes that he can take that other defenseman Ness couldn't take and part of I mean I'm not saying I think that plays into what makes him a lot better because people are he's is he better than Weber no he's not better than Weber and but he, he because of Weber he can do there were some there are some rushes he was taking in in overtime the other day like where he you know you would never see a defenseman go behind take the puck behind the other team's net in overtime that's like Suicide. He was yeah. doing that. So yeah, he he has the ability to do that. I you know what? I felt like San Jose's forwards took everybody out of the game. They, you know, it wasn't San Jose's defense that was stellar, and it wasn't the goaltending that was stellar. Martin Jones was fine, but he didn't do anything fantastic. He didn't have any shots on him. Yeah, it was the pressure but, from the San Jose forwards, the puck possession and the pressure that really just made the Nashville Predators fold. There was like no jelly left in the jar. Honestly, it seemed like they were just tired. They had seven. They went to seven games against Anaheim. They were in game seven. They went to a triple overtime at one point, and you could feel it. You could feel that. Like, and I'm gonna go back to Dallas. Dallas, the, when we were there, when I was there, you could tell that the fans knew that this their time might be up. Like the fans going into that. I even talked to a bunch, and I was like, "What are your predictions?" And they're like, "Honestly, it's a, it's a toss of a coin. I don't know." Like they. The fans there kind of knew that they they didn't have the defense for it, right. and going into the game, and I talked to a couple of Predators fans that were there. They were like, "Man, this has been a fun ride." Like they were talking as though like they knew that there was a hill for them to climb, and getting out of this game was going to be a lot because they were spent. They were a, like a Cinderella story against the Ducks. They were tired. I think that I think you know that weird? started to show. It shouldn't be a Cinderella story anymore. They've right. made a lot of trades. They've done a lot of things to position yeah. themselves. They have a world-class goalie. And I know everybody has that feeling like they're a Cinderella story. And I'm thinking if they're a Cinderella story, then they are failing in the front office. Then Cinderella is right, waiting for Social Security. That's, that's yeah. what's going on. Because uh, honestly, you, you, look at, you look at the situation 
with with Nashville, and I know I'm going down a road that act will, will destroy me on. You know, Shea Weber's over 30 years old. He's got what? How many? You know, a dozen years left on that contract, making close to eight million dollars. Yeah, you're goddamn mind to say that, Mike. I'm sorry, just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to destroy uh, you on this. Continue. It's a blue. No, no, but I, I mean, I, I've been of the opinion that they should, you know, they should have traded Shea Weber last year or maybe even the year before. I know that they paid all that front money, but. It's a question of he's a guy who's not a declining asset right now, but he's going to continue to decline as he gets older, and now he's really not worth the money that he's being paid. Uh, Pekka Rene is 33 years old, and you know Russ and I looked at him throughout this playoffs, and even throughout the regular season. His save percentage was under 920. It wasn't great. He didn't have a fantastic year. No, and, he didn't. And, he didn't, and I think, I think it's fair to say that, that Pekka Rene may be hurt. Um, and that we don't we don't really know. I I know he 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 plays hurt. I've talked to people in Nashville. He'll play hurt more than any goalie they've ever seen. Like there are goalies like we talk about Lundqvist. Everything's got to be perfect for Pekarene. For Lundqvist, not everything. You know you know if he has two legs and he can skate, Pekarene's playing. And I think that that does because and of course they don't have a solid backup that can that they can throw up into a situation like this in the Stanley Cup Finals. And this is I know it's a, I know we've made a joke of this thing all the years. And then Carter Hutton's perfectly fine, but. There comes a time when Rene is the only option that they have, and that is that is really tricky when you get to the final four well, or the final eight. But real quick, this game wasn't Rene's fault. No, that it wasn't. Was, no, no, there no. was a four on one. They're not no. even there if he doesn't play the way he plays in the game seven of Anaheim. So it's like the, the whole thing. Yeah, you can't blame anything on Rene. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't laying the, oh, laying okay. the blame. I wasn't laying the blame. Just, you think Rene is the? You think Rene and Michelle Weber on the downsides of their careers and should be yes. moved now? And, and and the thing is and the thing is is that you know you you moved Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson they're basically equal in terms of age but you opened up one area and to address the other now I mean I like their depth on defense I think Yossi's a very good defenseman I Ekholm and Ellis and you know, they have a, a you know a few others um, but you've given up Ryan Suter now you've traded Seth Jones and now Shea Weber is starting to go on the downslope. They either have to find a way to decrease his minutes, or maybe consider, you know, moving him and getting three or four assets because they're clearly not a team that's going to spend to the cap. It just so needs they, well, they're going to have to because they need more offense. They yes. don't have enough offense. Johansson was a great pickup, but he can't well, do it alone. Can, I agree with you, but you can argue to a degree that that's not true because. I mean, they should for the next ten years. Like, if right, they but, no, but I know, and but you know, but they did have enough offense to win, to beat Anaheim, and to go seven games with San Jose without their best line, without their best line really doing anything. Like, their best line did not show up. So, to me, there is secondary scoring there that exists. If their best line, I mean, that the the real blame should be thrown on Philip Forsberg. To be honest, I mean, Philip Forsberg, you know, he needed to be a lot better. I mean, he, but again. And, what is he? Twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, I mean, he's he's shown is, that he can be a lot. This is a lot to put on these kids. They need to pick up the right veterans. You know, Rivero was a fix that didn't work out. Yes. They need to pick up the right veterans. They need because things moves that the Boston Bruins made years ago are the moves that Nashville needed to make to get over the hump, and they didn't get over the hump. But now they're in this spot where. They're gonna have to spend more money than they're used to if they want to get over the hump. Let me play devil's advocate with that, and then I want Ty's opinion on that because you just did you just did an insight the ghosts of Boston for a second. But I do <laughs> what they did. But I do feel this Nashville can't do the kinds of things Boston does because of the market, right? They Nashville has to be a team that is competitive 
with a chance to win every year, but they can't they can't put themselves in a situation like Washington did this year, where they just load up, and because if they do that, they will they will price themselves out, and eventually they will collapse. And Nashville can't go into a rebuild. If you notice, the Predators have never gone to a rebound. They've they've been a they've been a slow incline up. They've had a couple years where they were out, but they were they've never been horrible. They've they've been out of the playoffs by, you know, maybe ten points was the most they've ever been out of the playoffs by. Mostly they're either in the playoffs or just on the outside looking in. I just and I don't think I think that what has been David Poyle's magic is maintaining this, okay, we're gonna be this good, we're gonna continue to be solid, we're gonna get a little bit better, we're gonna try to increase, we're never gonna be able to go and go crazy and pick up like, you know, a stamp coach or something like that. Well, but uh, but you can get Pekka Rene and if the the whole key to what they do is a goalie is gonna steal it for you. And that's but, but, like, that's how play, that's how they play it out. But, but ironically, that's to their detriment because I mean the only time that they that they didn't bottom out but finished in the in the bottom five of the league in recent history was when they drafted Seth Jones. They had opportunities if they would have you know been a little worse in those years to get a Stamkos or a Tavares or a Taylor Hall or something like that. That's the type of player. Yeah, that but they you had can't do that in Nashville. You couldn't. You could not. You can't. You, you can't for a year. You, you can't, can't promise. You can't. You can't do that. You couldn't. Remember what was happening during that period of time? I mean, well, during that period of time, stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. And in a lot of ways, what you know Arizona has done is 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 mirror has mirrored Nashville, where they've been good enough to be in the playoff hunt, but they can't go crazy. But at the same time, yeah, there was no way they could have tanked us here a year or two. It just wasn't possible. Thing, this was the year where they had a legit shot to make it. L.A. and Chicago were out. They're gonna reload now. And if you don't reload the same way they do, going into next year, we're gonna say the same thing about Nashville. Like, hey. It's going to be really hard for them to get to the conference finals. And it's it's, it's always going to be hard for them. I agree with with Eka to a a degree about that's the market where you can't tank. You can't can't have that kind of a season. But at a certain point, if your team is consistently having a steady playoff run and you can't solidify a market that's going to hang with you, you have another problem. If you can only have a market that's there... I get when you first get there and you know you have you have to feel it out for some time, but at a certain point they're going to need to acknowledge the fact that okay, it's okay to rebuild. Maybe rebuilding doesn't mean finishing last in the league for them. Maybe it's finishing towards the bottom, but and and making those kinds of moves because that's the market. I get it. The market doesn't want them to to see them losing. You have to win in order to get that gain that interest. But at a certain point, I think they've done it. No, I want Ty to speak because they Ty hasn't spoken yet sure, at all. Sorry. So, um, but yeah, so, but you know, and I'll say this leaving. Ty. I just think that honestly, this team is still there. There's some of their best players are still young, and their best. And Forsberg, like you said, he's young, but he, he this is the kind of player they have to get. They they picked him up through a trade. Mm-hmm. They they got him through weird ways. They they get, they made it a steal. This is what Poyle lives off of, and he gets great defensemen who he can then move. And a lot of them he has moved for other assets. And I think that the courtship with Nashville and the Predators is. I feel like it was completed this year. Like I feel like they actually have they're actually in the blood system of the of the of the city now. So I feel like this long haul, maybe they can do a little bit more of that and take chances, but but I don't think so. I think and I still think that they're every bit of a legitimate threat next year as they were this year. And I honestly going into this year, none of you most of you didn't have them in the playoffs. So this was you know, this was the, they really they could have overachieved here. Ty? Yeah, I mean you look at Nashville and I think you look at them similar to how you look at a team like the St. Louis Blues, where eventually they realize, okay, we have to take a chance, but let's build what we have here to the point where we can add on without necessarily subtracting all that much. Uh, I think the Ryan Johansson move speaks to that more so than anything Nashville has ever done, where they looked at it and said, okay, 
this this division's too good, this conference is too good, we need to make an upgrade here. So they took a chance. They trade Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson. I mean, I, I think Johansson's going to be a great player. That's the first top-line center they've had maybe ever, if you really think about it. They've never had that guy. Um, but it's building. It's going from there and building around that. That is going to be difficult when you are paying Pekarine $7 million a season, when you're paying right. Weber what you're paying him. Uh, you have other guys you have to pay eventually if not, if you're not already paying them. So it, it, they're at a they're at a weird crossroads where you know that the conference is getting better by the day. Your division is is stacked. Even even the teams that were bad in that division are pretty damn good, uh, at least in terms of your future and what you think is going to come down the pike. You know, with the Jets and with the Avalanche. Uh, so those are those are two teams that you have to look out for. In addition to Chicago, St. Louis. Uh, Minnesota. I mean, I mean, this is a this is a crazy division. At a certain point, they need to make these decisions. But I don't know if you can with their cap situation. You can't well, spend more because you're a budget team, and you also have contracts already tied up long term to a lot of guys. All right. Go ahead, go ahead, Russ. I was gonna say. So there's a couple things. Actually, Phil Forsberg's only 21. So we can't put all right. this pressure on him at 21. He's an RFA. It's a big deal right now. That this this is him not doing well in the playoffs was a big deal. You sign him to a bridge deal. He has no leverage, so yeah. you have to do that. So he's 21. I mean, again, why not pick up more free agents? Like I said, there's Damian Fleury who's playing the World Championships, right? It's an ELC. It's a two-year ELC. He, he plays for a great team, by the way, the Schwenninger Wild Wings. I don't know if that's the Buffalo Wild Wings of, of Germany, but if it is, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, but the thing is, pick up guys like that. You know, I mean, there are guys, there are RFAs out there that teams are going to be willing to trade Right. Maybe get one of those, and you're going to have to pay him a little bit. Well, At some point, you're going to have to do it one way or the other, but you know what? Scour the earth and pick up more free agents and hope that two of those guys play. To, to Ty's point, is like you mentioned St. Louis, and I mean one of the keys to St. Louis this year is the influx of Pareko, Fabry, you know, some of the defensemen like Edmondson you know, as a, in a lesser role. I mean, Kevin Fiala played most of the year in Milwaukee. They didn't give him; they really didn't give him a chance to to, to make any kind of impact. He's a talented young player. They have yeah. another another kid, uh, Hamanev, who play I believe played in Milwaukee as well. Who's who may not be ready, but you know he's he's a, he's a you start have to start bringing those guys up and and get rid of the Mike Ribeiro. So you're spending a three point five million dollars next year. I mean, to me, the fact that they sat him out as a healthy scratch through half their games in the second round. That's to me. That's a buyout uh, possibility. Also, you know, Paul Gostad's a UFA. There's there's more money that's off the books. Although, if you want to bring him back as a face-off specialist, you can. But I mean, you've got to sort of bring bring and infuse that that youth that you have that Poyle has built up in that organization and have that play in the NHL. Otherwise, you know, you're going to waste the prime years of Rene and of Weber. And by the time this young group is ready, they're going to be too old. Well, here's the well, thing. Well, too. didn't they when, they when they went on a free agent spending spree? Didn't they sign like four of the same player? Didn't they get like Nystrom, Hendricks? They have they already had Gostad. Didn't they just get a bunch of these guys that are basically the same player? Yeah, they. Well, they, they well, last year they last year they let up they re-upped guys like they re-upped Wilson and they re-upped um, Craig Smith and Wilson. They've regretted. I mean, for the most part, Wilson has been terrible for them. But this year, this in the playoffs. I mean, I I don't totally agree with. Like you and you and Kevin might both said that you think Kyle Wilson could still be available for trade. I, yeah. I think that's tricky to do right now. The guy just had an unbelievable playoff. He's, well, only, I mean, he's under three, he's under four million dollar player, and he's still tied up for the next four years. So 
It's called selling Hayek. I mean, if he, if, he, if he didn't, I mean, he did not play well in the regular season, and there have been mm-hmm. players in the past that play well in the playoffs, and then a team can take advantage of that, and the other team can say, oh, well, now I can get something. You know, that now we found this guy's finally found it. Maybe we can. Well, Wilson's not old either, right? I mean, Wilson's he's not what? old, but he just hasn't really. I mean, other than that one 20 goal year, he really hasn't lived up to the expectations that they've had for him. That's he the just problem. set a record for points in the playoffs by a predator. Well, yeah, I mean, he got a good playoffs. Leave him alone. I keep him. I think at this point, now the interesting thing about the Preds, when you look at them on Cap Central on HockeyBuzz.com, you can find, you see very quickly that they are, that this year they only have Gostad's UFA. I think they can bring him back. He likes playing there. I think he'll, and I think he does fit a really nice role for them. Yeah. I think he'll be back. Um, you know, then after that, you have Forsberg as an RFA. Um, you know, John Kroc is an RMA. Jan Kroc, I mean, Jan Kroc is an RFA. All the defensemen are totally signed, and 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 they have Carter Hutton as a UFA. So. Beyond, so really, they are they have one or two spots to fill, but then you go to seventeen, eighteen. The only forward sign are Craig Smith, Colin Wilson, and Salamaki. That's it. Everybody and that's else. That's why they should be going out and getting guys and signing yeah. them to ELCs now because yeah. it's cheaper and you might strike gold. And they have a shot to do it. And they have they've got like they're gonna have like fifteen million dollars in cap space to bring, yeah. <laughs> and they only have to get Forsberg a bridge deal and and sign a backup goalie. Well, I mean, to, to that point, next year is the year. They can go out and sign oh, yeah. long-term deals to guys like Bacchus or, you know, who, uh, Opozo in free agency. They would have Neal and they'd have Fisher on, under contract for one more year. If you want to take one last run with the remnants of the core that's there and some new players that you're bringing in, okay, fine, but you go under the realization that at the end of the year, you know, maybe they extend Fisher because I'm sure Fisher, with family concerns, yeah, is going to want to stay in Nashville. But but Neil Neil can go out in free agency and probably make seven million dollars a year. So right. that, that might be the last year. You either trade Neil with a year left in his contract and get something for him, or you keep him and you make a run next year. But one way or the other, the t- the clock is ticking on Nashville because the core players, two so. building blocks for that franchise right yeah. now, are it, Rene and Weber. They've done a good job of not rushing their good prospects, and I think when Hamanev and Fiala are ready, they'll be ready. I think they can go out and get guys. I think they can make some trades, too, and, and I think they should do all of those things, and they shouldn't give up their first-round pick. They need it if they still have one. I think they still have one, right? Yeah, I know. If you want to see the magic of David Poyle, realize that Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, and Matthias Ekholm, who are three top four defensemen on any team in the NHL, mm-hmm. Are signed for the next until 2019-20, and they combine for ten million dollars in salary. That's like That's just. Great. I mean, that is an insane that. thing. I mean, that that is, and you look at Weber. Okay, Weber's has got you know a seven point eight million dollar cap hit, but they're only paying him really like four and a half million dollars, something like but, that, right? But at a certain point, that's meaningless. Cap hit, cap hit means nothing. No, I mean Shea Weber four and a half million is a who. I mean, why wouldn't you keep Shea Weber for four and a half million? I mean, he's like that's just insane. But they need offense. They do. They have to yeah, go yeah, get. You can get offense without Shea Weber. There's no reason that the right. What I say? Why? They, why I say they won't trade Shea Weber? There is no reason in the world to trade Shea Weber. No, I wouldn't I mean, trade him. There's but imagine just, the no, haul you could get from Edmonton. You know what I mean? Like, just think about that for a minute. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I understand that at the same time. But all those Edmonton guys are six and a half, seven million dollar players, and they're you're, all, and they're, all. and they're and they're and they're under. Achieving for that right now, for the most yeah. part. 
you, you, you telling me that you telling me that Edmonton, if the, if if they could get Shea Weber, wouldn't give up one of the guys, not not McDavid, obviously, but one of the guys on entry level like Drysital? I, I think they would. I think they would give up Darnell. The only player I would take besides obviously McDavid, who you're not going to get, would be Taylor Hall for Shea Weber. That's the only player I think is even is even that I would even consider. Right, I, I agree with that. I mean, that that would be. Because then you could throw him right on the top line. Then you could get rid of Neal if you wanted to and get a defenseman back. Then, yeah, then it would give you some flexibility. But I don't, I don't think Taylor Hall's moving. You get the horses to run with the Canes, the Tarasenkos, uh, even the McKinnons of, of your division. And I don't know if they have that in Forsberg alone. I, but Shea Weber is such a he's just such a vital player to this team, and not just not just on the on the ice, off the ice, but actually as a quarterback on the ice. If you see the Predators live realize right away that he's guiding everything out there. He's like steering the whole team around and he is he is somebody that the other that other teams fear on the power play. There's just so sure. much more that he brings that I just think that that would yeah, be but for how long? For how much longer can you depend on that? If you're trying I, I get what Mike is saying. I get I think I think almost all of us are saying that yes, we are he is a great player, but how much longer? I mean you could get another team would probably value him so much that's maybe trying to make a run for the cup because right We've seen Nashville does not have what it takes right now to t next year if they don't make many changes to do a run for the cup. They, they're just not going to with, a, with the a, level of competition. A team, a team like a team like Dallas, who is one great defenseman away from w potentially winning a Stanley Cup. <laughs> that mm -hmm. yeah, but defense, but I, I would argue that the Predators are closer to winning a Stanley Cup than the Stars are. I would. I don't think I mean, so. No, I don't, I don't think so. Think so. Um, I don't think so. I mean, who is who would you have picked in this year, and who and where are the predators? Where, you know, but they're playing without Sagan, so that's really unfair. Obviously, Sagan. No, I just I'm not. I'm and Sagan is you know they don't. There's no one like Sagan or Ben on the National Predators, and the Predators have to go out and they and Ryan Johansson they do make that trade, but they only make that trade because in typical National way they get a guy who is a question mark in Ryan Johansson. He is talented, but he's a question mark. They're not going out and getting a he's definitive not really guy. Not a question mark. He had 60 points. He does score points. Right, right. But he's got he's some that big of a question mark. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and I think that that's fair at this point, especially to say. But let's move on. I really, it is a great debate. We'll talk a lot about the Predators, and I just, I think that there's a, there is so much going on there. So I want to show you guys something that you know the conspiracy theorists are all into. This is really, you're like this. This is really fascinating. So, um, okay, so here we go. Ready? I need, I need like that music of like that from the old In Search of series. Oh yeah, with Leonard Nimoy. Oh yeah, I just, we just got that on DVD. I ordered that on DVD from. Oh, uh, it's great. It's a great series. Oh yeah, I have the whole thing on DVD. It's awesome. Really, really, and it's a, my son. We were watching. My son's a huge Bigfoot person, so we were like, "Okay, we'll watch. We'll watch the Bigfoot one," and he hated it because my son likes animals. My son's theory is that Bigfoot's not a terrible person, right? But <laughs> the um, so he's on there, and the Bigfoot one is like, "Bigfoot doesn't exist." You've taught your son this, haven't you? Uh, not after nine nine years of of these of the show Finding Bigfoot have not taught me that Bigfoot does not exist yet, Ross. It definitely has taught you that. They have no evidence. I watch it every week. I know. We call it Finding We call it finding Trees. We call the show Finding Trees. But, okay, so here's the um, here's the, here's, the, here's the conspiracy, okay? This is HockeyBuzz.com. You guys know the website well. I'm going to zoom in for a second. Zooming in. Zooming in. Zooming in. What are you noticing about this? Carter Hutton player profile. Nope. Okay. Look along the top. Oh, I see. Alphabetically, Pittsburgh, San Jose, St. Louis, and Tampa. Oh, whoa, I just saw it. <laughs> took me long enough, guys. Took me long. I'm slow to the punch recently, aren't I? About I'm that. like, everything's blue? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. 
If these and, things weren't true, they wouldn't be real. Uh, I mean, this is this is the it, the NHL probably doesn't like it, and uh, on one hand, but the other hand, I mean, can you think of four better cities? I mean, yeah. One of them you have you have the best player in the world. Uh, the other one that you the have best white in the world. I didn't hear you. The, the best player in the world, Sidney Crosby. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. The other two cities, St. Louis and San Jose, have never won. And then you have Tampa Bay, which is a fun team to watch. They have a great American goaltender, so NBC viewers, can we can focus in on that like we always love to because it has to be an American player. It can't just be a great player. American. Uh, I like that you so, left off Tampa because I agree with you about Tampa, Todd. Yeah. And... <laughs> And it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, it's these are this is a great Final Four, and I'm very excited about this. And this is just, I mean, this is everything I wanted, I think, out of these playoffs. It's not Chicago. It's oh, not. Uh, oh, okay. No, no, I'm, I'm. Listen, if I can, if if you saw that, if you watched that team for 82 games, you'd realize 82 is more than enough to watch that team this year. Uh, no, but you, you know, you watch, you look at these teams. These are all fun teams. They play a style that fans are gonna like to watch. It's not gonna be like that bemoaning we had in 2012, where oh, teams block too many shots, they don't score enough. No, these teams score. Even St. Louis, a team that's known for their defense and how they limit other teams' chances. Oh, they they have Vladimir Tarasenko, a great offensive player to watch. Yeah. Just dynamite. Always have to watch when he's on the ice. So this is really a, a great situation for the league. Four markets they 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 really need to capitalize on as well. And just remember how many teams passed on Robbie Fabry. I mean, Robbie Fabry's been huge yeah. for them. Yeah. yeah. He really has like a Danny type presence to him. He, he, that's what he reminds me of, just in his speed and his and his quickness and his, his playoff. His playoff, you know, he obviously has a, has a huge playoff factor going. He's, he's been great. He was great offensively in the Memorial Cup. I covered him live, but I was yeah. a little worried about him playing in his own end. And he's gotten a lot better at that. He's really good. He's really good. I, I, I just I just find it, I know, and we've gone on this road before, but I, I just find it a fairly hilarious that one of San Jose and St. Louis teams that over the last decade have known, been known for one thing, and that's choking, are going to be in the Stanley Cup final. And you know, it's like I mean, it's a testament to to, to their you know that they've they've finally been able to get through. Uh, I still think there are a lot of question marks, especially with St. Louis. I mean, you know, we talked about you know Brian Elliott game six was terrible, and game seven he could have like uh, rested his his arm against against the crossbar yeah. and not done anything. So that question mark regarding St. Louis is still there. I don't and think Elliott's a question mark. I don't. I, I, think, I still think he's a big question mark, Jillian. I mean, I, I, I just think he's a little bit of a question mark on Elliott. I, I mean, he has, wait, can we just say that they have won these series, right? And they, they yes, he had one questionable game. One questionable game, right? Did he have and against the Blackhawks? I'm trying to recall if he had like a lot of questionable things that have happened. They were one goal games for the most part. But even last game, he only had to make a couple of great saves. I mean, that's right. it. What I mean, is it going to take for you guys to think that Brian Elliott is a good goalie and that you guys are I'm with Jillian. I mean, I don't think you guys are giving him the credit he deserves in this case. I, I, I no, I'm like this is serious. If if he wins the if he wins the Western Conference, is that would you say you can count on him? Well, what, what's gonna what's gonna what is it gonna take me for, for me to admit that that Brian Elliott is a great goaltender? Nothing because he's never gonna be a great goaltender. But if he's if he's skating around carrying a, a big silver trophy, then I have to give some acknowledgement. I mean, right now the only you know. So if he wins the cup, you give him some acknowledgement. <laughs> sure. That is crap. That is absolutely. <laughs> Crap, and you know it. Go, Joe, go. 
You know what he is? He's Tim Thomas right now before the Cup. Totally. Where he is a veteran that has to prove his worth. Everyone's going to doubt him. He's got a young kid behind him. And he's, he has to go if out there and say, no, this is my cup, He is a god over there. I don't care. He can yeah. suck for the rest of his career. They get him out of Cup. Thank you. He's Chris Osbad right now. That's what he is. Or Osgood, excuse me. No, that guy was... I mean, listen, Osgood had his moments, but he was... I mean, put me behind that team, and I'll win you a few Stanley Cups. Like that, that, that I don't know if that's that's fair. I, I really do. I see a lot of Tim Thomas when I watch Brian Elliott. Where this is a guy who's been all around the NHL landscape for years finally catches on. He's put some great numbers together, and even then, his coach and the fan base and the media are still like they have their doubts as whether or not this guy. Totally. Can be the guy. Well, I, I mean, I think that I think that could rear its ugly head, Ty, because I mean, if 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 they win a heartbreak, if they lose a heartbreaking defeat to San Jose, the fingers are going to get pointed at Brian Elliott. There's going to it's it's inevitable yeah. that like they're going to look at the shortcomings of this team and say, okay, it's the goaltending again. We knew that we had to fix that goaltending. We didn't. Even I mean, if it's a one goal game, even if they're yes. the story of the playoffs, then I think then that people aren't really looking at the full situation. A one goal game is not. You can't just point the finger at a goalie if it's in a one you know goal. Who I point the finger at uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, who has been yeah. invisible the entire postseason, in my opinion. Well, I yeah, he has been, and, and, they, and they, I also think a fair amount. I think for a fair amount, I think he did get a little iffy. Here's the thing about Elliott. I was just looking. It, 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 if I'm San Jose. I'm taking a lot of shots. He hasn't faced a lot of shots in like six or seven games. Which yeah. is surprising given that the Dallas Stars have had such a powerful offense. That That is very surprising. Yeah, no, I think, and, I think the, that... The Sharks have a very powerful... Their, their power, play, power play is very potent. Like they can, if, they, if they get on fire with that, that is very dangerous for them, for the Blues. He went 29th against Dallas. He had 42 shots. After that, it was like 30 and then, and then less than 30. 34 yeah. and then less than 30. So no, I completely agree. I, Part of good goaltending is good defense in front of you. He has. Sure. Let's just say this. He has not. It is not. The onus has not been placed on him for for him to come up big. He right. he's been confident. He has made some he, big saves though. Yeah. There yes. Were sometimes when he came up really big against Chicago. Come on. Yes. Was, but against Dallas, yeah. against Dallas, he really didn't have to. And I think. For for St. Louis to win this series, he will have to come up big. And if we said the same thing about him against the Stars, we actually said the exact same thing. I picked I picked St. Louis to win the series because I knew Dallas did not have Sagan. So I, I you know I. Yeah, I mean I'm with Julian here like, on the sense that he shut down two great teams. I mean that you got to give credit there. Two, and yeah, maybe he's not the only thing, but if that good defense, I mean a lot of times, like I said before, good defense helps you with good goaltending. Yeah. Mike is a contrarian. You know, you know this. He's just playing devil's advocate, and I know people like yeah. to piss me off and get me all fired up. So. <laughs> or is the devil's advocate thing just an excuse he uses to be a contrarian? That's, that's true. Um, Either way, it's fine. So let's, let's, let's get into Pittsburgh. And, let's get into Pittsburgh and Tampa here. Okay, so we got to talk about the series, and we really have, and we we also have to. We're not going to talk again until the other series starts. We really got to get picks out for both of these. Oh no, both. Yeah, the other one's on Sunday, right? Yeah, so I think I, think I can handle that. All right, Pittsburgh and Tampa. Um, I'm going to start with. I'm going to do what I always start with, which is the which is the matchups of this series. Now, this is a really fascinating one because Pittsburgh owned Tampa for the last couple of years until this year, where Tampa owned Pittsburgh. But this year's games were played somewhat earlier in the season, not completely, but um, they were played somewhat earlier in the season, right? So when both teams were out of the playoffs, probably. 
Yeah, and they were high-scoring games, though. I mean, this and this is what yeah, the fun you have to look forward to. They were jostling for the wild card at that point. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so the last several games, I mean, you've seen a lot of, you know, going back to last year, the last time they played, Pittsburgh won 6-3, then Tampa won 5-4 in overtime. Tampa won 6-3. Tampa won 4-2. There's a lot. They, they you're going to see a lot of goals scored in this series, you would think, yep. um, even though, you know, Matt Murray's been – Matt Murray wasn't a part of any of those games that I, I, I think I can think of. Um, but – I think uh, that so this series is the matchup is there, and I'll be back after we talk to everybody else about this series with the uh, with the actual mascot battle, which is a fascinating right. one. But let's uh, let's start with Ty on this one. Ty, you want you go because you you cover Tampa, you cover Tampa along with Eric Erlison first. So I wanted to know your thoughts on this one. Uh, this is going to be a crazy series. I think when you look at it, you look at what happened. That uh, that five to four game that you mentioned was one of the best NHL games I've watched all season long. That was a, a absolutely fascinating game end to end. For 60 minutes, uh, Vladimir Vlaslav uh, uh, Nemetsikov has first career hat trick uh, that game. Uh, a player that I think needs to set up for the challenge here for Tampa Bay. Uh, that's a guy, you know, they've been able to get away with this 11 forward, 7 defenseman thing that they've been rolling with. This series, I think you need 12 forwards and 6 defensemen. I, I, Strawman's not playing tonight, uh, but they hope to have him back later in the series. But this is, uh, you have to find a way to match Pittsburgh line for line. You can't. You were able to get away with it against the Red Wings and Islanders, two teams that have some flaws in their lineup. Uh, but this this Pittsburgh, it's a machine right now that rolls on 12 forwards, four lines. They rotate it like no like no one else ever seen. They activate with their defensemen as well. Trevor Daly, uh, you know, uh, Olimata. I mean, these guys they join the rush. They make plays happen. Uh, so I look at that and I say, you're really going to go against a five man attack, and you have to have a, a 12 guy set to match that. And if you don't, you're going to run into problems. And they've had they've had problems with that this year. When it comes to that 12 forward, whether it's been Condra, Blunden, uh, you know, JT Brown might be back, which would be great. Uh, March or so. I mean, these are guys that they've sort of rotated in and out of action because they haven't found a perfect fourth line. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that concerns me if I'm a, if I'm a Lightning fan here. Uh, obviously, though, it comes back down to Ben Bishop and Matt Murray. Who can withstand the challenge of being here and, and rising to the challenge here. I mean, I really think that Ben Bishop has been great, but there are so many weapons on Pittsburgh, and they're all across the board. Yeah. You have Crosby on one line, Malkin on another, Kessel on the third. I mean, it's not like these guys are on the same line and you can focus on shutting them down. It's spread out. So I think this is a series where guys like Matt Carl and, and Jason Garrison and Andre Schuster, I think they can get exposed in this series by you know, that, that Benino-Kessel connection by Malkin, by Crosby. I, I just think that there's a lot of weapons to handle, and I just don't know if Tampa Bay has the healthy bodies to combat it both defensively and to keep up with them on the scoreboard right now. So so what are you what are you what are you what are you picking in terms of games? I think uh, Penguins and Six. That's yeah. I just think that they're rolling they're they're bodying teams right now. It's unbelievable. I've i this is this is better than they when they were in two thousand nine. I agree. Well, it, it's it's funny because you look at I mean I I think in spite of the fact that he was not available to them for the first two rounds, this will be the series that missing Stamkos hurts the most because Stamkos head to head against Crosby up the middle, you know that's a, that could be a soft. But if you have Crosby matched up against Tyler Johnson, there's a size advantage, there's a down low advantage there that I think that Crosby will win every day, including Sunday. 
Uh, Malkin, you match him up with Brian Boyle. Maybe you can, size-wise, you can neutralize Malkin, but I think offensively he's much more superior than Boyle. And, and the third-line matchup, I mean, that's the thing. That's the reason why Kessel's scoring so many points right now is because he's matching up against other teams' third lines. I mean, that speed along with Hagelin and Benino is, is incredible. Now, I have to say that Tampa, I think, can play up to the speed level that Pittsburgh can. I think their defense is as good or better than Pittsburgh's is, especially if Strawman comes back by game two, because Strawman playing with with Hedman is a shutdown pairing, and if they match him up against Crosby or Malkin, I think they could neutralize them. It's going to be special teams, and it's going to be goaltending. If Murray continues to play the way he's played in the first two rounds, uh, Pittsburgh definitely has the advantage. If Bishop stands on his head, then I think Tampa can win the series. I don't think even if Stamkos comes back, he's going to be 100%. He's you know he'll he's been out for over a month, um, so he could come back in like later in the series in game six or game six or seven. But I don't think it's he's going to be probably at 70 or 80%. I, Pittsburgh's on a roll, so I'm going to go Pittsburgh in six. Yeah. Uh, Joe. Um, I do know Mike had said something about special teams too, and I was just thinking. Uh, and about I had read something how the Lightning are the most penalized. They have the most minor penalty minutes in the league, yes. and that's going to be a problem if against the Penguins. It is. Um, I, I, I'm going to pick Pittsburgh in six, and because I'm from Philly, Pittsburgh's probably going to piss me off somehow and and lose. But um, I, I just I just think Pittsburgh. God, they're just rolling over teams. They're just unstoppable. I think this is going to be an interesting series because the Lightning do match up against their speed. That is something that will be interesting to see because, as we saw, that was a problem with the Capitals. They could not keep up with them speed-wise. And the goaltending for the Lightning, they have Bishop, and I think he can stand on his head. I just don't think it's going to be enough against this light, um, this Penguins team. Getting Stallman back would be great for them, um, but I think missing Stamkos is going to be another big problem for them against you have. There's, there's so many players. Who do, you, who do you pick on on Pittsburgh at, at any time? But I think Chris Letang is going to need to have a big series, too. I think that's going to be huge for them if he can keep his emotions under wrap and just play good defense, and he, he's dangerous. So going to have to go with uh, Pens and Six. And Six, Russ. Yeah, I definitely like the Penguins' skating ability. They got past Washington, which I think was the, the biggest opponent anybody had to get past in the East. I think that that was huge, and it taught Murray something. It taught us something. We all knew Pittsburgh was rolling, but that still was a big matchup, yeah. no matter how you slice it. Even if you thought Pittsburgh was going to win, there was still some doubt in people's minds whether they could do it. They did it. Tampa, you know, I looked it up. Filippola and Callahan have totaled for seven points in these 20 games. That's killing them. If you look yeah. at the amount of cap space those two guys are taking up, that's killing them. Are they going to wake up this series? I don't know. I mean, I think the Johnson-Crosby matchup that Mike said is huge. I think they will match up Boyle to Malkin, but that's never worked out well historically. I think Pittsburgh just rolls too many lines. They're going to have the puck too much. I think Bishop and Murray will keep the score down, and I think Tampa can counterpunch, counterpunch Pittsburgh because guys like Kucherov don't need the puck a lot. They just get it and they score. But at the end of the day, I, I'm going to go Pittsburgh in five because I just – even with Slater Cuckoo in there, without Strawman, that is going to hurt him for as many games as he misses. That may be it may be too late when he comes back, and I expect Stamkos to come back, but I think it'll be when it's an elimination game. I think that's when you'll see him. Uh, uh, the, 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 one, 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 
add one thing. The mm -hmm. wear and tear on Pittsburgh after the Washington series could be a factor. You got to factor in that you know Tampa got quickly through Detroit, quickly mm -hmm. through the Islanders, and and have less wear and tear. Now they've had some injury problems, obviously, and you know without Stamkos and Strawman, they're they're limited. But they're going to be the fresher of the two teams. Pittsburgh and Washington was a pitched battle, and they might be a little. I would say physically down early in this series. One thing though is that Sullivan has kept them under wrap when yeah. it comes to their emotions. Uh, they've been a team that has been known to get too emotional, and we saw a little bit of it. We we started to see a little bit of it also in that game six. And they when they break down like that, that does prove to be a huge problem. If Tampa Bay can get under their skin somehow, and and, and Mike Sullivan can't keep them under wrap, then that's a, that can be huge for them. they got to be physical. That's another way you get under their skin. And Latang is another one. That's why I said his emotions can get the best of him sometimes. But this is a different team than I think people are used to. So, But if the Lightning can do it, that's that that would be helpful for them. The Penguins the Penguins got away with Latang acting like an idiot in the last series. I mean, he got suspended once, the high hit in game six. Yeah. He's too talented of a player to be such a loose cannon. If he does that against Tampa and Tampa gets a power play, they will kill you. So he better... Stop that! Otherwise, he's going to hurt. I mean, team. what if Sidney Crosby starts scoring goals? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's always that's always the case, yeah. right? Um, so going into um, uh, my thoughts on this one, this is a tough one because I really see, I see a couple aspects. I'm always really big into where the who the team just played and how they played and how that's going to adjust in the first couple games. I think Pittsburgh could have trouble in Game One. I really, I think that I could see Pittsburgh having a difficult time. Pittsburgh hasn't played anybody like Tampa really. They haven't. Um, in Tampa, the Islanders are a little bit more like the Penguins than the Caps are like the Lightning, if that makes any sense. Like, the Islanders are not the Penguins, but they have similar they, – they attack in similar ways, and, they, and they, they, they rely on heavy, fast skating, and their, you know, their defense has to be a part of the play. There's certain things – the problem playing in Pittsburgh for, for Tampa is the fact that Pittsburgh loves teams that attack them. And uh, this is this is when you attack them and you leave yourself open, like I said before, to, to so many three on twos and two on ones the other way. That I can see the Penguins just eating that up with Tampa. That could be that could be a real problem as the series goes on. I think it's incumbent on Tampa to win tonight if they're going to have a good. If there's just going to be a long series, if they don't win tonight, this could be a very quick series. Uh, but I think Tampa could win tonight. I even though they're saying Strawman's not going to play tonight, I'm, I'm just, I wouldn't be shocked. It feels like one of those things, it's like at the last second, oh, by the way, he's playing type thing. It just feels, feels odd to me. Um, based they on reported some of the Stamkos out, and I think they wouldn't. Yeah, but Stamkos, they, they know, they want, I think, if you if Strawman's playing, there's no reason to officially say it. Um, if he's really out tonight, I'm a little bit concerned, because honestly, like I said yesterday, he was ready apparently. Last They said he was kind of ready. In, in towards the end of last round, so if something maybe went wrong in practice, or there actually is some kind of that's a little bit disconcerting. So well, I mean, it, it may it may simply be that they they give him an extra couple days to to get. Yeah, but at what point? I mean, you know, they were given a couple extra days last series. You know that that's what that's what they were saying. So at what point does that really play into it? Now, hey, Stamkos, I believe will be back for Game Three. I really do. I think he. I think that's what you do with him. He's skating today. And the, what they said, you know, flat out, it, it, he's left hints all along that you know it was the, once he once he got to the point where he was back 
that it would be like 72 hours before he could play. And right. he's been saying but this. But it was an optional skate. He only wore the regular jersey, but it was still only an optional skate. Yeah, it was nice. an optional skate, and, and, and I think a reporter asked him if he was still on blood thinners, and he said yes. He said so, yes, yeah. but that could be something that he's going off of blood thinners today, tonight. Or you, you, like, you don't just you go off blood thinners slowly, I believe. I think that's the way I've talked to people who've done this before. It's not, And I think I might be wrong. I'm not a doctor. But um, I think that the, he could still be on blood thinners, but could know he's coming off tomorrow. I mean, I could tell you I'm going to get off that Ben & Jerry's almond milk ice cream, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen tonight, really. right? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a Jerry Garcia man myself. Anyway, so but so at the end of the day, this Pittsburgh's experience is, has shown, and, and they're very well coached. What I love about Sullivan, though, is that he, there, was always, there was always this um, – stereotype about the Penguins that other teams would throw in that they were whiners. You know, this was the whole thing that they would always whine, they would always whine. And what's funny is Sullivan admitted it and said, we've been we've been whining and he's like, we're not, I'm not letting them whine anymore. And there was one point when he went nuts in, this, in the Washington series because his, his players were starting to blame the referees, they were starting to blame other things that were happening on the ice, and they were falling into that trap, that they, that, that slow descent that the Penguins had taken in the past, and he lost it on them and said, no. Did you no, see that no. gift? There's that... Um, yeah. That gift they have of it, where he just like it's a slow motion almost, like yelling oh, yeah. at them to shut up. And I was like, this is perfect for so many situations. In my yeah, life. no, it is. Right? <laughs> to take responsibility, and he had them take responsibility for themselves. That was enormous. If you know that do, to me, that was just giant. Do, well, uh, remember where remember where he comes from. He used to be Tortorella's. <laughs> right. No, it's true. But he's different than Tortorella in the fact that he's much better at yeah. um at at positive reinforcement than Tortorella ever was. <laughs> I think you know, Tortorella lives off a of negative reinforcement, but you but know. you got to remember, other than Tortorella coaching game time stuff, Sullivan ran everything else. He ran almost every practice. He he basically Tortorella had Sullivan do almost everything, including yeah. the positive re reinforcement. So yeah, so there's logistics there. Let's we got to move on quickly. Wait, Mike, to what, what were you gonna say, Mike? I was just gonna say, do do hot dogs go with wine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we got to fact for that one. <laughs> Going into San Jose, St. Louis, we've talked a little bit about this. So, um, you know, oh, by the way, a, a penguin versus a light versus a thunderbolt, not a great combination. Um, again, but but I believe penguins, being that they're normal birds of water, probably aren't going to get electrocuted. I think I think the penguins win the mascot battle this one. I will say. No, I'm taking lightning every I'll time. Say, I'll take lightning. Lightning's far more terrifying. Penguins are so cute. So if cute. lightning hits, if lightning hits water and the penguin is on the water, the penguin gets fried. So. Go with lightning. You think so? I mean, those lightning storms in Tampa, they're bad. That's true. All right. Okay. All right. We'll go there. I didn't even weigh in on this one. No, I just... <laughs> Thunderbolt. <laughs> what is he going to say? No, Ty, so let, let's give the light... We're going to give the lightning a suit of armor and the... Um, no, I'm just kidding. We'll move on. Okay. All right. So the Sharks versus the Blues. This is going to be a good one when it comes to mascots. Um, all right. So let's but let's start with um, the battle of these two teams. The Blues actually have the matchup favorites in this. Are the matchup favorites in this? They've played well against the Sharks, um, and have really have kind of dominated them in the regular season the last couple of years. Uh, this is this like we said yesterday. This the Blues definitely wanted to play the Sharks and not the Predators because the Predators had you know other situations. So. I think I've got that right. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I mean, did I reverse this? No, I, I think the I think the Blues dominated Nashville, but I think that. Wait, I gotta shake this up again. Sorry, I might have, I might have reversed that one. Um, so, but why don't we start, um, Mike, with you with this one? Go ahead. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, they're both very deep teams. Both have pretty solid defensive cores. I mean, the question marks in goal with San Jose, it's mostly inexperienced with Martin Jones, although he's played pretty well in the, in the playoffs. We've talked about Elliott, so I don't I don't need to go down that road again. 
I mean, I think this is going to be a long series. I, I, I think that, the, as Jillian said, the power play for San Jose, uh, former Leafs assistant Steve Spott is the, is the coach who's been put in charge of the power play, and they've done very well. Guys like Logan Couture and Pavelski have taken the lead on that team over the Thorntons and Marlows. It's it, you can you can see that the the fact that Thornton and Marlow are now complementary players who are dependent on for secondary offense and not to carry the ball is is the main reason why San Jose is doing what they're doing right now. Not to say that those guys couldn't handle the responsibility, but they didn't seem to come through when they really needed to in the past. Um, Brent Burns is going to have to continue to score at a high pace and provide uh, you know that ability to jump into the offensive attack for uh, for San Jose to win the series. I really think that uh, with with, uh, with St. Louis, you need Tarasenko. I mean, he really at the end of that series against Dallas, he really. You know, he he did wasn't scoring at the pace that he scored at early against Chicago and early in the Dallas series. They need him to to, to keep going, and it was mostly Bacchus and guys like Alex Steen who carried who carried the ball. And to Ty's point, I think Shattenkirk and Bo Meester need to really you know Peter Angelo has played great in terms of shutting down the other team, but they need the offense from guys like. From from Bo Meester and Shattenkirk to real to really go. I, I think San Jose is going to win this series. I think it'll be San Jose in six. Okay, so to clarify, let me clarify. San Jose is six and three in the last nine games against the Blues. We were I was right. There was the opposite. Um, apologize for that one. But uh, yeah, so the Sharks have and the, including this year, uh, going two and one against this against and uh, and outscoring them. Well, they they played on February fourth. The Sharks won three to one. That was in St. Louis. They played again in St. Louis. The Sharks won six to three. On February 22nd, and then they played in San Jose, and the Blues won one to nothing on March 22nd. So that was the most recent game, and that that kind of to me sums up how this series should probably go. Like if the Blues want to win the games, I think we're going to be looking at one nothing, two one type games where the Sharks can actually get into more scoring with them, and and I think the Sharks can actually go and run with them. Now last year, been a fascinating thing, you know, the Blues won back to back games um, in January, five days apart, seven to two. They took they beat San Jose seven to two twice. On January 3rd and January 8th of last year, which is interesting. So, but this is a that's the this is the Martin Jones team. This is a different. This is a very different Sharks team. So yeah, the the favorite here as far as the matchups goes would be the Sharks. Um, so why don't we continue with you, Ty? Yeah, I, I I look at San Jose and I look at St. Louis, and I think both these teams have really, you know, we talked about them being chokers in the past. They really battled through that label, and they've they've risen to the challenges here. For St. Louis, it was Chicago. I mean, that was a team that no one thought they could really hang with ever, it seemed. Uh, and, and for San Jose, it was L.A. You know, they've beaten them before, of course, but but it really felt that, okay, if you're going to get there, you have to beat this team. It's very fitting in a way. So I look at the mental obstacles that both these teams have, have overcome here, and, and I like both teams. If this series, I think, is so close to, to call – Overall, I, I just think that this is a San Jose team you cannot take penalties against. You can't you yeah. just can't their power play is too good, it's too skilled, they have too many weapons on both their first and second units. Uh, they have Brent Burns out there for the entire two minutes half the time. I mean that's that's a, a weapon, you know, on its own. Uh, but I, I look at Steve Ott, right, and, and look at the penalties that Steve Ott has a tendency to take. Um, I just think that that's that might be the blues undoing. Uh, discipline. Uh, you, you know, they tend to let a lot of stuff go this time of year, but 
I just think ultimately it's that power play San Jose has. I do like the Sharks in seven games, but I have almost no confidence with this pick. I could very well see it going the other way. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know. This is so close. Um, I think these two teams match up very well against each other. Uh, I think I've heard some people say that they don't think this is going to be a good series, and I think that is wrong. I think this is going to be a very long series. I do predict it to go to seven games. Um, the Blues are a little bit more physical, I would think. They're, they are heavy hitters. The one thing that the Blues have going against them is they've had two seven-game series, uh, whereas the, the Sharks had that five-game series. So to make my decision, I brought uh, my puck from last night. It's uh, Paul Velsky, which is they are selling these. They're selling black hats. They're selling everything like that in San Jose. Is I, I kind of love it. I think it's great. So, uh, so, so, so is Janet Jackson going to do the uh, national anthem? So, and then some black <laughs> might, be, after might be fitting. Um, so I'm going to make my pick. I'm going to flip the puck. And if it's Paul Pavelski, it's the Sharks. If it's not, I'm going to go with the Blues. So we have Paul Velsky got the flip. So I'm going to go Sharks in seven. That's about as scientific as my picking. So <laughs> All right. Um, I haven't loved the play of Jay Bonemeister or Kevin Shattenkirk. That's true. Peter Angelo has played great. And, and a lot of other players have played great. Robbie Fabry is a real X factor. Even even Statsny has been great all around, and we probably don't talk about him enough because we did rip him for not having a great year. But he's picked it up in the playoffs a lot. He's winning faceoffs. He's doing all those things you need him to do. I, I'm not in, in love with Elliott, as you know, but I think he's a good goalie. I don't know if he's a great goalie. And and so when I look at San Jose, I, I, Peter DeBoer has changed the, the, the team. He is – they, they, there's no longer the sniping that, that existed in that locker room. That locker room was bad last year. I saw that locker room late in the year, and, and it wasn't great. Like, it was just a weird place. It's in a lot better place now. Pavelski is sort of Batman. Couture is Robin. That's how those guys are rolling. And Thornton is sort of filling that Dave Anderchuk role that, that um, he did with the Tampa Bay Lightning the year they won the Cup. So Thornton, like is, Thornton is Alfred then, right? Yeah, Thornton is like Alfred. And, and so I kind of like what's going on there. I've always liked Martin Jones. I think, has he been tested enough? Lately, probably not, but I think he's, he's good enough, and he takes up a lot of room in the net too. He's bigger than Elliott. I think in this series that's going to be good because a guy like Fabry likes to shoot high. At the end of the day, I'm going to go Sharks in six because I don't think they want to show up in St. Louis for a game seven. I don't. Yeah. I, ironically, the, the play of Shattenkirk, not that he's been terrible, but the play of Shattenkirk I think contributes to the offseason possibility of him being traded because, yeah. you, know, they, you know, they have Pareko, they have the, the two guys who are under long-term deals. Uh, oh, great. Look! Look who's interjected his way into the studio again. God. Oh, hello. I knew it, oh, I knew it smelled foul in seen. here. It smelled foul in here, and now I know why. Make your pick quickly. Hello, yeah. Jill. Hello, Jill. Thanks for having me. Hi, Ross. Hi, Ross the chicken. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the compliments. And, uh, Hi, have you been? Have you had the pleasure of meeting Ross the chicken yet? No, I think I just ended up on Sesame Street Buzz. I have yeah. no idea where I am. I'm, the letter L is coming out of the ground. I need to go. Puppet. I can't believe that to be true, but that's not the case. I am fully trained hockey predicting chicken. And remember, like he had a tonsillectomy there, Russ. Uh, well, you know, I got a little work done. I've made some extra money. You know, the podcast has helped uh, support the uh, chicks back home, and uh, yeah. So I just got a little bit of work done. Is it, is it working? Is it working? Uh, 
I feel pretty good about myself. That's one of us. Oh, yeah, well, you know, we can't all be you, Mike. <laughs> so, Ross, who do you have? Who do you have winning Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh? Thanks for asking, Jill. Um, uh, you know, I'm very upset with the loss of Alexander Ovechkin. That was really an upsetting thing, and as I've said many times, uh, Sidney Crosby gives chickens a bad name. But, um, you know, that's all that taking into account, I'm, I'm not a big fan of lightning. Uh, you know, chickens are fellow birds, sort of. I mean, I wouldn't call I mean, you know, yeah, I guess you can call a chicken a bird. But do, uh, do penguins taste good with hot sauce? Uh, <laughs> no, he, no, he shook his head no. That's a no. Mike, you just don't know what to say, do you? <laughs> anyway, being like a penguin is like a chicken in that we both share the love of being feathered friends, even though they can't fly. And we can't believe it. Yes, chickens can fly. You heard me right. You cut off our own. But we can fly. i got to go with the penguins. In four. I'm going with the penguins in four. All right. And four. then uh, penguins I four. they will battle very hard, and then I think they'll just concede. Just absolutely just say, forget it. We're done. We can't compete. We're done. Okay. That's a very noble choice. Very noble choice for us, the chicken. And who do you have for the Sharks versus Blues? Oh, I'm not a big fan of Sharks, Jill. I have to tell you. I had a run-in one time with a shark. I spent a week with a shark one afternoon. And, uh, yeah, me, I can do without a shark. But, um, well, if I, you know, I agree, by the way. I was watching the show upstairs while I was getting a patty Meddy, and I totally felt that you're right, that Brian Elliott is completely underappreciated. Completely underappreciated. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Russ the Chicken. I have some good company in my opinions, I guess. You're 100% right, Joe. Look at the of the You take go to the show. You know, you should take that show up with Sportsnet. You should. Hey, Russ. Russ, uh, there's, a, there's a family reunion uh, of, you, of your family over here. Take a look, right here. All right, well. I'm not here to screw around. I'm going to go with the Blues. I'm going to go with the Blues in seven. I think it's going to be a long series, but at the end of the day, the Sharks just suck. That's right, everybody. <laughs> sharks suck. Wow. All right. Thank I'm you, Russ. We hope you don't end up with a value pack like your Mike's freezer. Right. Yeah, that would not be a good spot for you. Thank you. And uh, to all my haters out there, follow me on Russ the Chicken on Twitter. And, uh, like I said before, I don't follow back, but that's okay. But follow me, because I'm worth paying attention to. And, uh, you know, I can dress cooler than Bob McKenzie any day of the week. Remember that. I know Bob looks all cool and his cool, like, digs and everything like that, but I'm way cooler. So remember, without the balls, it's just no, awesome. me. Back up, man. What? Oh, sorry. I'm a little close. <laughs> My man. I think that the character's coming back, so I'm gonna get the hell out of town because it really stinks down here. They need to take a, they need to clean some stuff or take a shower or something. Remember, without the bus, it's just hockey. Talk to you soon. I can't do anything at the same time. I can't. <laughs> that was Russ. So Ty, how do you feel after meeting Russ the Chicken? I I want to go to bed. I <laughs>
You feel complete. <laughs> and we're still live, guys. We're still live. This is this is still live. Unfortunately, Russ can't sign off. I can sign off. Look at your footy pajamas and it makes you feel better. Fuck off, man. I'll see you. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus